Before we start today's episode, I want to do our business shout out to Crazy Kind of Wildflower. If you head over to her website, you're going to find so many fun activities for your kids to do. She has things like edible Play-Doh, mud play, rainbow ice, ice cube play, cotton swab painting, how to make Forky from Toy Story, handmade boats, and the list goes on. There's kinder homework ideas, which are so, so helpful for those of us that have that age of kids. Even my older kids have really enjoyed some of the activities I've pulled from here. And then she also has worksheets that you can download and print for your kids to do super fun drawing. My kids are all about drawing these days. Um, You can find her over at crazykindofwildflower.com or head on over to her Instagram at crazykindofwildflower. I know that any of you that have kids are going to love what you find there. She makes it easy, accessible, and gives you step-by-step directions um, so that we can all be fun moms, right? (laughs) Um, I hope you enjoy the episode today. We have our little sister, Ellie, on who is... She works in corporate America and you're going to hear some, some things from her. She has a completely opposite life of those of us as a maker, but she shares some really great insight and just... She's just awesome. And we think you guys are going to love hearing her story and how she got to where she is today. And we hope you guys love it. Enjoy the episode. Welcome to Small Business Sisters, where two sisters who started their own separate businesses come together to share all things business growth and personal growth. Every week, they will share practical business tips they have learned along their journey and share their individual perspectives. So grab a drink and join the sisterhood as they discuss all things womanhood, motherhood, and small business. Hello and welcome to our episode today. I am so excited about this one. And if we make it through without laughing... It's going to be a record because Jenny and Ellie are known to not be able to be in the same room as each other without <laughs> laughing. Um, and so we do have our sister Ellie on who, by the way, we I don't think we've ever acknowledged this, but Ellie is the one who does our intro Yay, Ellie. to the podcast. Ellie, say hi. Hi, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> you will... You will quickly notice by the end of this podcast that Ellie is much more sophisticated than Jenny and I put together. And I just so, think the energy level is just <laughs> so <laughs> different. Yeah, the that's energy level. And that's what I even said about the intro. I was like, I feel like we might need to redo it because I sound so tired or something <laughs> and serious and you guys come on like all peppy. Yeah, but I know, but I feel like it's not that you're tired. I feel like that is how you, and we'll bring that out in the, in our discussion today. It's like, that is how you interact with people. You mm-hmm. are very professional and serious and like mm-hmm. get the job done. No yeah, flaws. Own it. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Um, so Ellie is our youngest, the youngest of the three of us. Jenny would like me to add that Jenny is the oldest. (laughs) Um, and in charge of us. I'm just in charge all the time. And Jenny's the oldest. I'm the middle. And then Ellie's the youngest, but something special about Ellie and I is that we're 18 months apart. Ellie was a my mom would get mad if she knew I said a whoops baby, but Ellie was a <laughs> very the, true. My mom would say best surprise baby. <laughs> would and, she know? <laughs> <laughs> 
And uh, Ellie and I, because we were so close in age, got to do a lot together in high school. And then in college, we were roommates at Texas A&M. Whoop. Um, (laughs) And we're going to start there with Ellie. We have Ellie on today because Ellie... Other than the two, because Jenny and I obviously are both makers. We have a lot of similarities um, in our in our jobs and careers. And sorry, one of my (laughs) kids just came in. Out minute. Wait, I have something to add about us sisters. Okay. (laughs) So I would say because you guys are 18 months apart, we were close growing. And so I'm four years and six years older. And I feel like we were close growing up. Like we really were close, but don't you feel like we became like best friends as adults? Oh, totally. Oh, yeah. Well, like, you were at like a, you were at such a different life stage than us always. Like, yeah. How do you really be close with like a kindergartner when you're in like sixth grade? <laughs> but I that's mean, what I mean, obviously. like. That's where the directors, they joke about me being like the director and stuff because like I literally was the director. We would do like family mm-hmm. shows and I would tell, tell them what to do. And I think that really came about because I was older. But yeah, as an adult, like I really look up to you guys. <laughs> but yeah, I definitely think we all got super close. Probably following college. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You were married and stuff. So Bean and I did do college together. So we Mm -hmm. were close, but like after college, I'd say like our young 20s and your mid 20s. And now I like cannot imagine life without you guys. No, not at all. Never. (laughs) Mm -mm. Um, So let's start when you're in college. So walk us through like what you majored in, why you chose that major, and then like how that developed into where you are now. Okay. So I'll be completely honest on this podcast that I chose my major because I really wanted to study abroad. I really wanted to, and I was kind of a party girl. So I definitely picked Barcelona for that reason, (laughs) but it kind of had I known like that decision would impact my life in so many ways. It's amazing, honestly, that so in college, I chose international studies, communication and media, having no idea what I wanted to do, really. I just knew at the time I wanted to study abroad in Barcelona. So I did Spanish as well. And so I went to Barcelona my junior year in college and then came back. And finished college and exploring the world is so challenging and makes you grow as a person. Like there were definitely nights that I was thinking like feeling so alone and wanting to come home, but I'm really glad I like stuck it out. And again, one of the best experiences of my life, but I want anybody who's listening, who's considering that, like take that into consideration. You're overseas by yourself, not knowing anybody. I lived with six girls I'd never met before. It's like so proud of you for that. Cause I don't <laughs> think I would have survived. A minute yeah. It's myself. I don't know why I didn't realize it was six girls. I thought it was three mm-hmm. for some reason. No, there were six. And you didn't us. know them, right? Like no. you met there. I, so oh my I gosh. didn't even, because I wanted to go to Barcelona so bad. <laughs> and I didn't even have a program. So I had to do this like 
and listeners, you'll find about me when I get something in my head, I like <laughs> jump right into it that like, I sometimes don't even think about the ramifications of my decisions, but I just like full on deep dive into it. And so I actually connected with the University of New Haven in Connecticut, who had a program going on. I did not know this. Yes. So I enrolled with them to study abroad in Barcelona. (laughs) I didn't either. Oh my gosh. So So it was not even through A&M? No. So (laughs) definitely not recommend going that way because I had to transfer courses. Some didn't transfer. It ended up kind of biting me because I had to do an extra semester because two of the classes didn't transfer. But anyway, so that led me into exploring Europe, just reinforced really. Like I love the international side. And at that time, I really thought my calling was going to be to live internationally one day. So that's where I was kind of at mentally when I came back. And then I went back to AM and graduated. And I was in San Antonio, kind of just hanging out and like, okay, what's my next move here? I had this huge adventure. Where am I going next? And again, not really thinking of any consequences of my decisions. I just decide you know what, I'm, I need to move to a big city and I need to go where I don't really have friends. So I decided to move to Chicago because I was like, okay, I have at least a safety blanket with Jen living like 40 miles away. I was like, I have family like 40 miles away. So if everything goes wrong and I don't make any new friends because none of my friends at the time lived downtown. Mm -hmm. Um, They all lived in the suburbs. I was like, at least I know I can jump on the train and be with like family and people. Cause like I had said in Spain, I did experience those lonely moments of being like, I'd see my friends and family doing stuff and like be by myself. Like I remember Thanksgiving was like the worst day of my life. Hi, oh. welcome to my life. <laughs> <laughs> but so Wait, that's a- did you say how was that six months? How long was it? Uh so I was there beginning of August until mid-December she was there okay. my whole was entire like a pregnancy with Kaden which is probably what made it extra hard too because we were getting to get right Kaden was born when I was over there oh, yeah just yeah. seeing that stuff was yeah. challenging but so anyway that's what brought me to Chicago and had no plan of course and I just was like well and I remember our parents kind of being like don't you think you should have a like plan of a job or like, what are you doing? I was like, no, I'm just going to like pack my car and go. And so I did like a couple weeks later, I just dove right in again and drove up here. I got roommates off Craigslist <laughs> and lived in an apart in the shadiest apartment you could ever imagine downtown Chicago. And I was just like, okay. It was so, cute. Again, I just like admire your bravery and I don't, is tenacity the right word? Like to meet random people and live with them. Okay. Pause (laughs) to interject because I forgot to finish my statement earlier. The reason why we have Ellie on is because we wanted to hear from someone who's has a completely different life than a maker life, completely different life than a mom life. And that's why we want Ellie on. So when you hear this, 
um, it's because she went on such a different venture and we, it's quote unquote, the normal venture. So we want to hear all about it. Um, but I just want to interject that because I forgot to finish my thought earlier. Yeah, I probably should have said that. I do nothing in small business. <laughs> Please don't turn off the episode. Um, so then I was just like, okay, well, I have to get a job. So I had a family connection who worked for, and at this point, my degree, it didn't matter to me. I was just like, you know what? I'm just going to try and get my foot in the door at any company and try and see where I can go. So I had a family connection who actually is like a corporate headhunter for uh, the brokerage firm I work for. Shout out JLL. (laughs) And um, she was like, so I have an opportunity for a receptionist. She was like, is that something you'd be interested in? And I was like, sure. Like at this point, I'm just thinking of like, how am I going to pay bills? bills, Basically. Yeah. Yeah. So I have no idea. So JLL is one of the top brokerage firms globally. Had no idea before the interview did not do what you're supposed to do of like doing research and stuff. (laughs) So I like go into this interview and I'm still shocked that I got hired. But so I became the receptionist and for Time-wise, this was two, uh, 2012, and I then immediately started to be... There happened to be an opening as an administrative assistant for the top team um, in industrial at that time. And so I jumped on it, and I was like, again, okay, figure this out. And as I'm doing it, I'm like, Okay, I actually really enjoy this. Before I had no idea about real estate, commercial real estate, let alone industrial real estate. I mean, I drove by the buildings and yeah. <laughs> twice about them. Can you and pause your story and explain what industrial real estate is or industrial brokerage? So industrial brokerage is we are basically in the business of it depends on the group you're with, but buying, selling, leasing, um, in big industrial distribution centers, manufacturing centers, campuses, um, all of that stuff. And so I walked into this. And at this time in 2012, industrial was kind of at its infancy, right? So everyone had heard of office brokerage, obviously, but like industrial was just beginning. So it was a small team, um, but they were like making a killing, to be honest. I'm like, okay, I could do this for sure. <laughs> so then I, so I was the administrative assistant and I just kind of decided, okay, how do I learn more about this business? So then about a year later, I became a brokerage assistant, which was really doing like, um, like travel expenses um, for the team, all that stuff. And from there, I was like, okay, I hate booking people's travel. And Mm -hmm. I am honestly, again, I'm like shocked. They stuck with me. I was terrible about doing expenses. They constantly had like creditors after them because I'd always (laughs) forget to like do the actual expense reports. 
And so I was like, okay, so I know this role isn't for me. So I was like, I'm going to try being a brokerage coordinator, which that role was like more doing the marketing and um, property flyers, open houses. And I was doing that for about two years. And I hope nobody's doing the math in the background because <laughs> I don't know really like how 2035. long 2035. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so then I was like, okay, so I know the marketing piece is not for me. So I am like, you know what? I really enjoy numbers. I always have. So I was like, I'm going to try getting licensed and become an analyst. So I did that and I really enjoyed it. And um, so then a couple of years later, I became the senior analyst. And again, just learning um, more of the business really. And I was able to identify the piece of the business I really enjoyed, which some would call this magical, uh, was... I now am the account analyst for all our international, like global clients. So now I work heavily in all international deals. <gasps> that is magical because that's what you started off doing. And yes, so that I did you were a going full to. circle. Oh yes, so my I have gosh. Been with Various members of this team, but really my two bosses have like stuck by me. And I have to say, like, they have encouraged me constantly to go to the next step. And even like my most recent promotion, they were, I was like, I don't even know what to ask for or like what role I'm asking for. I just like know what I like to do because no one in my office has done this before. And they're like, no, no one has done this. You're kind of like forging your own path. So like, yes, there are women brokers for sure. But like, to go through every piece of basically like role you can do to like figure it out. It's I'm a lone soldier. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So are there, there's mostly men in your world. So there's definitely mainly men. Okay. And when I started, it was mainly all the women were in the administrative roles and there were no female brokers um, so that was a challenge for sure. And it took a while. And still to this day, I think sometimes it's hard to get past that mentality they have of like, I'll give an example that the other day, now I've been in the business 10 years mm-hmm. and I want to say it's grown leaps and bounds and like jails an awesome company. I will shout out anybody who's looking for, to get into <laughs> it. It's a, phenomenal company. Again, I got so lucky that I just happened to like get my foot in the door, but they put a big emphasis on like diversity inclusion. And they have like a zero tolerance policy for any kind of mm, sexual harassment, anything Mm -hmm. like that. And so that I know others, I know a bunch of my friends who have left jail and gone to other firms. It's not that way. So they probably have different challenges that I do, but I do have challenges in the fact of just, for instance, I was making calls. So a market survey is basically pulling properties that are available and 
calling the listing broker because you either represent the client or you represent the building, basically, or landlord, calling to verify details. And he like cut me off right away and was like, who's the licensed broker doing this? And I said, I'm the licensed broker who's doing this. And I you wish know you guys could see her face. We'll, we'll put this part I on furious. <laughs> and it just is like, and he did apologize, but it's like they automatically assume I was assume. just like, yeah, yeah. And it, and I never want to talk down to the administrative team because I know what a hustle that is. When you're coordinating and stuff for 10 big time brokers, it is nothing to feel like ashamed about. Like that is hard. Mm-hmm. So Especially I always, they, they change their schedules often. <laughs> yeah. If I remember. And so, but for him just to say that immediately, I was like, oh, yeah, good for you for shutting that me? down. Heck yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. I immediately was like, I'm the license. <laughs> but so, so do you feel like that comes up a lot or not? Really? Um, like when it does. So like I said, I work in, it's called integrated portfolio services. So <laughs> we have a handful of clients that we manage their entire global portfolios for. So I rarely do actually anything in Chicago. I, I would say right now about 80% of the deals we're working on. Well, maybe that's not true. But for this one client, 80% of the deals are all international. So it was, it is helpful that I did have like that background kind of, of studying abroad of like understanding cultural differences mm-hmm. because mm. it not only varies so much here, just like city to city, but like when we're talking different countries, it's sometimes kind of like really frustrating, but mm-hmm. honestly, I'd have to say I've never had pushback from any of our international local. Mm, that's good. Yeah. They're probably well, the stories that you've told me aren't usually regarding your actual place of work. It's more how you guys have clients mm-hmm. or, and like you said, either representing the building or representing the client, whatever. I'm trying to act like I know what's going on. Um, but <laughs> I know I'm like still focused like, on yeah, the, the, the a question and ask about the numbers, but I don't know how to say anything about um, the numbers. But you said do. the most, the most like, um, um, what, what's the word I'm looking for? Challenging. Um, no, I guess sexist would be the word. The most okay. like hardships you face for being a woman are not normally in your place of work. Oh, it's correct. normally like correct. in meetings or whatever with people outside of your work, which I'm not going to lie. Right. I, I, as someone outside of the workplace, um, now for over 10 years, like I thought that left us in 1950, you know, like I didn't think right. people still had that mindset. And I will say, so I've, is it like been, Mad Men? The show? I mean, I Mad never Man? watched Mad Men, oh. but <laughs> when I was a receptionist, this yeah. is a little side note, people would tell me that I reminded them of some character from Mad Men. That yeah, I have no clue Peggy. who it is. Oh, yeah, you and do. Just, yeah. yeah like, I have no idea what you're talking about, but I'm just going to like take you to get coffee. Yeah. 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 She was, she were, it was back in the 1960s. So, um, she was 
all the girls were secretaries. I mean, that's just what you were hired to do, but she had a really gifting in the advertising field, which is what all of her, they were also called, um, uh, like the main advertisers, not brokers, but they were the, there, she basically was, yeah. And they, they each had their clients that they made ads for. And so she was their admin assistant for that. And she was saying like, I can do this. I can do the ad work or whatever. And so it is this, yeah, the story of Mad Men is about the time period where all of a sudden this woman comes in and is like, I'm I'm not going to be a secretary. I'm going to be one of you guys. And like, it's all about right. like that. Yeah, I think you would actually really like Mad Men. I, but yeah, say, I will say my drive really came from originally, I'll be completely honest, was seeing how much money <laughs> people were making. And I was like, okay, I will do whatever I have to do to make this kind of money. But like now it's not even, I mean, obviously money is great to have, but it's, I actually really enjoy what I do. And especially my team I work with, I mean, they're fantastic charts, but fantastic. That, yeah, and, and that's where I feel like you're really good at what you do, because I, I don't think I could swim with the sharks. <laughs> you could, you don't give yourself enough. Credit. I like the little baby pool because I can't handle, like we talked about in an episode recently, like bad reviews and you kind of not, not that you have bad reviews, but you like every day have to be ready to not take anything personally. Right. Cause nothing right. is like and I know coded or I've shared this with you guys, but like, I have so much admiration for you folks in the <laughs> like small business, <laughs> <laughs> business because I like, and who make your own products and like somebody gets angry at you and writes a terrible review. Like, yes, I can get like yelled at and stuff, but I know it's usually about the situation. Like I don't leave work. Like, I mean, I guess there's been a handful of times over like 10 years that I've been feeling like personally attacked, Mm -hmm. but, and I have to say my two bosses do protect me a lot. And like, when they found out like some of the things people have said to me, they're like, you let us know right away. Like who that is. We're not working with them anymore. When I just mentioned like some, some, another way I've been discriminated against is some people know who I work for. And so they just, they kind they just immediately want to try and go to them and kind of don't give me information. Whereas like Mm. us, us three really work as a team on everything so, cause if one of us drops the ball, there are two others to like pick it up. And so when they heard like some people like just like skip me and like go to them, like they totally have my back. So I'm really lucky in that sense, but, mm-hmm. um, That's awesome. but back to getting yelled at and stuff, not that you guys <laughs> get yelled at, but, um, <laughs> if somebody gets upset with me, I never like leave feeling personally attacked or like upset about it even because I just am like you know what they're upset with the process they're upset with the situation it's business not personal and I don't think twice about it you're like that in life though like regardless of your job that's just your person I mean when you get the three of us in a room and there's (laughs) some sort of conflict whether it be within the three of us or from other people Jenny's always like like the one that can kind of dwell on the 
problem. I'm the one that like <laughs> gets super pissed and will like go go at whoever it is. And then you kind of just weigh like you're not afraid of the problem, but you're oftentimes just like, eh, it's just, yeah, not. you don't like dive into the conflict. Yeah. Or you'll, you'll just decide it's not worth it. Like your energy, like you're yeah. like, eh. it's sometimes just, it is. Which it, I feel like not. I like that you see that as a pro. Cause I honestly see that as like one of the cons about my personality is like, I am so quick to just be like, this isn't worth even in my personal relationships, like this isn't worth my time. I don't have the energy for this. And then I just like cut people out. And whereas well, I'm I should, <laughs> well, I should be able to like engage and like not just like cut people out. And, like <laughs> Things are worth my time. And that's so I see that as a fault of mine. But well, I love it because it goes into it's just who you are. Yeah. Which we're we're trying to navigate which Enneagram Ellie is because she thought she was a three for a really long time. But now Correct. we're all we're, after we've all been discussing it, we're wondering if Ellie's actually a nine. Nine. Been yeah. in health. So I actually time. yeah, I really need to do the retest because I'm wondering the time period that I did the test that came out as a three, I feel like I was in a really stressful time in my life that like, I'm wondering if I didn't answer it actually how like I would feel or more out of like how I was acting at that time. Yeah. Cause threes and nines, you're still connected. Like three, six, nine is still the Mm -hmm. same triad. So that makes sense that you were just in like a, I just know whatever, whatever in unhealthy, goes to like anxiety and sixes. Okay. Yeah. Probably a nine. That's I me. think you're a nine. Yeah. Cause when I'm like stressed or upset about something or just unhealthy in general, it's boom anxiety. Yeah. yeah. I, know what I think would be helpful for you to talk about, because I think it might show like kind of a difference between being in the corporate world and owning your small your own small business is like, tell us about your Sunday night scary. Just going to ask that, Jenny. Oh my yes. gosh. You okay, have to so, talk about it. What yeah, are Sunday scary? Because that's every Sunday. So I think yes. that's where the difference is because your week usually looks like Monday through Friday. Monday through Friday. So, like, tell us about Correct. Sunday night scaries. So, for all you listening, my sisters obviously are well aware of, I literally cannot function or focus on anything from like Sundays at probably like 4 p.m. until Monday at like 5 a.m. That I, and I have to say pre-COVID when I was working in the office. So side note, I am really, really lucky that again, shout out to my bosses, allow me to continue to work from home because it is just such a better fit for me personally. Mm-hmm. I, I, you can't see my office right now, but like, I purposely don't have a TV in here. I can't even listen to like music or anything. I just stay like glued in. I get so much more done working from home. Whereas when I do go into the office, <laughs> I will like, just walk around, catching up, talking to everybody, <laughs> doing the office gossip. And I'll like look down and be like, oh my gosh, two hours later. And I've missed three calls. <laughs> that 
So I think that's probably why they're so open to me working <laughs> from home. Um, but so when I was going into the office pre-COVID, I was going in three to four days a week. And I I don't know. I just like Sundays. I don't know if it was like seeing my emails. I'll say that's a part of mm-hmm. international business that's hard is like, I'm never not getting emails. Like I never have a break from that be- just because of the time difference. So Mm -hmm. it's constant. And so I would, and it still happens now, but now knowing I don't have to necessarily get ready Monday mornings. I know that sounds crazy, but that like actually relieves some of my stress. I'm like, okay, you know what? Now Monday mornings, I can kind of like get an idea of what's going on and then get ready and move forward with the day, which helps a lot. But I still get the Sunday scaries to the point that like, I will wake up in the middle of the night and like look at my email and I will know I'm being irrational. I will be like, I will tell myself, you don't have anything going on. You didn't miss a day. You're caught up for Monday. Like it's completely fine. And it just like, I will check over and over and say that constantly through Sundays. So if any of my friends are listening and you ask me to do anything on Sunday, (laughs) if I go just know I love you so much because it is honestly, I need like Sunday evening to just like lay and decompress Mm -hmm. and not think about anything, not do anything. Even if it's something really fun, I like, it's not fun for me because all I'm doing is thinking about Monday morning. And Mm -hmm. so it's become better manageable where I can like at least sleep Sunday night, but that it was like, bleak there for a while where I would seriously wake up every hour convinced I was missing something. I don't know. It's absurd and irrational, but no, I, I mean, I can identify with that, with the like anticipation because you have that Saturday break. So you, then you're out of your rhythm and right. then you're like anticipating it's starting all over again. Cause then you mm-hmm. don't feel that the rest of the week, right? Like you're no, in and the honestly, I sleep so phenomenally on Monday night. I think it's just <laughs> my body is just like exhausted from the anxiety and not sleeping well that like Monday evenings after work are like one of my favorite parts of the week because I'm just like, oh, I survived it, did the day. Everything mm-hmm. was fine as I knew it was going to be. And then I can just like go to sleep. On Sundays, you do like your prep for the week as well, I don't know if you said this or not, but like doing your laundry and making sure all the dishes are put away and all of that as well. Or is it just anxiety about work? Specifically? Just anxiety about work. I purposely try and not do any of that stuff on Sunday because I literally have to be horizontal on Sunday <laughs> evenings and just like watching <laughs> garbage TV that's mindless and do that stuff anytime during the day. You know what I, this, I mean, not garbage TV, but do you ever watch like shows that you've watched before that make you Yeah, and good? you and I, I actually talked about yes. that, that. It's like, there's something comforting about it because my girlfriend's brother lives with us and he always asks us like, why do you rewatch things you've seen before? Yes, I've like, read I read about this. Be concerned about it. 
Well, yes. And that is like a chemical thing in your brain that it, it tells you, okay, I have felt comfortable before in this scenario. I know what's going to happen. I've, I know I feel good at the end of it. So you like gravitate towards that to have that same brain reaction of that, like feel good thing because your brain knows what's going to happen. So yeah, I, I like that. Right. that that's you know what I'm never shows. watching ever again in my life? <laughs> the breakup. <laughs> Easily, why do you hate it? I didn't the one with Jennifer Aniston and yeah, because you don't like that they don't get back together. (laughs) Not like any movies that do not end the way she wants them to, correct? Well, I know, I mean, Christina still to this day cannot watch like Lion King and stuff that where the animals die. Mm -mm. I know. Why? Why would you watch on some like great, great depth? No. <laughs> why would I watch? Like in my spare time, why would I watch movies that have tragedy that we go through on a daily basis? My dogs have all died very tragically. I don't want to watch that on fiction when I'm actually okay, living. I'll out tell my you life. why. Because Inside mm-hmm. Out lesson one hundred and one sadness is what brings us together. So through that pain is where we experience togetherness and we're not, but I have real life pain. I don't know. Doesn't it make you feel better? It's like the whole, um, we can do hard things. Like not just we, but collectively Collectively we are imagining the other person doing the hard thing too. If I watch it with y'all, maybe. Okay. And I feel like there is some, beauty and tragedy that like it does in real life obviously it's hard when you're going through it in real life but like even watching it I find it personally like almost encouraging that like Mm -mm. things sometimes (laughs) don't go well but like look they survived they think about Simba when he meets uh Timon and Pumbaa and they like pull him through that tragedy and you see that goodness then you like identify with okay that movie ends well (laughs) there is a definite okay what are the ones she won't I thought that was one I will not watch Free Willy Free Willy and he he gets freed (laughs) I know but he has to leave the kid I just could the kid go in the with ocean with him? No, the kid, the kid like <laughs> rescues him. Here is the new ending. Past him. The new ending to Free Willy is that the kid is actually Luca and lives in the water. With oh Willy. my gosh, Luca was a great movie too. There's there's a Free Willy trend on TikTok right now. Have you all seen the Free Willy trend? No, but all I think about no, is Michael you Jackson. you are the TikTok <laughs> master. I think I just said TikTok. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we should. Okay, what else do we have to talk about? Okay, so I have to say. <laughs> I have to say I did finally download TikTok, mainly because my text threads from Brooke and Bean are just like filled <laughs> with videos. I was like, you know what? I'm just going to put them in a central place. <laughs> that when I have time, I can go watch them. Yeah. Um, by the way, I am Bean. Christina is Bean. They call me oh, yeah, Bean because Christina Bina rhymes. And then we just shortened it to Bean Maybe. when we were little. Okay. So Ellie, mm-hmm. we've talked a little bit about this on the podcast with 
small business um, and figuring out like, is there ever a point where we're just like level and not trying to do the next thing or make the next amount of money? And we've talked about that in corporate field too. There's always, you're always trying to get higher, right? Is Mm -hmm. that... Is that, is there ever going to be a point where you can just like ride the wave or do you foresee being in corporate always, you know, trying to advance your career and, you know, like, is there ever a a spot where you're like, okay, I can ride this out for a little bit. So I have to say, yes. And I feel like I'm kind of in it right now. So For a couple of years there, I was dedicated to just my career. So I lived in Chicago with roommates, but um, or by myself and didn't have a reason to like shut off really. So I would, I almost saw like signs of being a workaholic because I would always like, I mean, I, what if I was just sitting at home, like, why not answer emails or like, There was a point where I would answer emails in the middle of the night when I couldn't sleep. And like one of my bosses was like, why am I getting emails from you at two in the morning? (laughs) That like, that is, and this is going to sound crazy, but I really think I see the first difference from that is when I got my lab bow because it was the first, he kind of brought me out of that because a four o'clock hit. And I needed, I knew I had to leave. I had like, he was more important than work. Basically I had to get home, had to take him out. (laughs) And then it was like, well, you've been at home all day. Like I'm going to take you to the dog park. And then by the time being done with that 9 PM, I was like, you know what? I'm done for the day. So that was the start of it. And then I really feel like being in a relationship, a serious relationship, um, change that too, because I obviously want to spend time with my family. Like, right. I don't need, like, I've been able recently to be like, this can wait until tomorrow. If that makes sense. Yeah. I was just going to ask like what practical tips you have for people, because now you do majority of the time work from home. Mm -hmm. So that is similar to a small business in the fact that your office is in your house, inside your house. Mm -hmm four out of five days a week, three out of five days a week, whatever it is. So what uh, are seven days a week right now? <laughs> oh, you, oh, that you work from home. Yeah. Well, you don't, you work all seven days. Oh no, 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 no. You I just, just mean your home. Seven days. Yeah, seven days. I was like, okay, hold on. Let's go back to this workaholic. Uh, <laughs> yeah. No, no, no. Um, okay. So what has been some practical tips that have helped you create those boundaries of I will work now, but I won't work now. Um, honestly, recognizing, so I have to say, if we're on a deadline and it's a big project, if I need to work late, my partner understands that. And I just try and not make it an everyday thing. Mm -hmm. But honestly, I just feel like physically shutting my laptop down and sometimes even like leaving my phone somewhere else, not that I'm getting calls or anything, but like just kind of totally disconnecting has been a big, big difference rather than like, I'd always have my laptop with me. And so then be like, Oh, I can just 
answer this really quick. And I really recommend if you go on vacations and this is something you struggle with. I physically turned my emails completely off because I was even on vacation, like seeing the dings, I'd be like, okay, let me just quick check what's going on. And if you don't see it, right. Then you're not thinking about it, not concerned about it. And however, it makes for one hell of a Sunday night scaries when you come back. So keep that in mind. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, that's kind of at least you get a full recharge before you have to do that major Sunday scary. Right. Do you, but, I, but I think actually physically closing your computer, like not just leaving it open where you can mm-hmm. kind of see things or be like, oh, I'm just going to pop into the office really quick and just like check my email really fast. Like, Physically closing it, because if you're anything like me, you're a lazy human being. And the three minutes it takes to restart, start up your computer. Because when I mean close, I mean, like, literally turn it off. Don't just, like, sleep it. Then I'm like, mm-hmm. eh. I don't <laughs> like actually starting my computer. I'd have to wait a couple minutes for it to load. Yeah, that's so. actually really helpful to small business owners, too, because it never mm-hmm. fails. I'll like get in bed and, you know, how you do the like you check everything. And I'm like, yeah. don't check your email. Do not because it. I'll always get some random message that then I can't stop thinking about it. So I'm like, right. well, I have to get up and figure this out now. Mm-hmm. So like right. having that boundary of like, I don't know, I guess for me, it would be like once I'm in my bed, I am not checking illuminate space messages or emails. Cause if I don't see it, like you said, if I don't see it, then I'm not thinking about it. But once I see it, the game's over. (laughs) I forget who told me this. One of my bosses over the years was like, and I still think about it to this day. He was like, we aren't heart surgeons. Industrial real estate is not a life or death scenario. Like neither is sewing a package or candles. (laughs) So just like reminding yourself, like, I am not a heart surgeon. I don't have anyone's life in my hands. That's really good. There's nothing yeah. that can't wait until tomorrow. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. Uh, someone told me, I forgot the exact thing, but something was like, your lack of preparation is not my emergency. So that, hey, that's what I say. Maybe it was, <laughs> yeah, that I always say it's like, because I get frustrated. But I tell myself that now aren't prepared for things and then create havoc and chaos for the rest of us. And it's like, you know what? You not being prepared. Oh no, I lost her. Uh Uh-oh. We lost you for a second. So say it again. You not being prepared. Oh, that you not being prepared does not create a life emergency for me. And I know that's so good. It's honestly easier said than done because obviously you are like, well, let me jump in and help and all this stuff. But it's just kind of like, look, you did your part. You did your job. Support the other person. But it does not mean stop your life. And Mm. now I should say if it's my bosses doing it, I'm probably like (laughs) jump in and help. But if it's like somebody else, I'm like, look, your lack of preparation does not create a mess for me. Yeah, I so I want to speak to the makers listening too, and how I hear that is if someone needs a last minute order because they have an event in two days and they haven't planned for it, like that doesn't 
you aren't responsible then to change all your boundaries and your like processes that you have set up for orders to get right. them. Oh, absolutely. Because I, that- I can take that on and feel like, oh, is that mean of me to be like, no, I'm not doing this. But no, you set up your healthy boundaries for a reason. Mm-hmm. And so they're... Yeah emergency doesn't mean you have to change all your process and their $200 is not worth the insanity that it's going to cause you to have to get the supplies and make it and be if you're anything like me like be harsh with the people around you because you're trying to get this thing done super quick again because somebody waited last minute like Mm -hmm. I know we all kind of want to scrap around and earn money when we can or even get your name out there when you can but some of that stuff, it's like, no, I'm sorry, I can't do it. And you can be like kind and say, and I think people really respect when yeah. you're like, uh, my turnaround time is two weeks, so I can complete the orders in front of you. Like that's right. Not me. Well, just being direct and honest isn't mean. Like we all need to hear it. <laughs> yeah, that's not me. me. That like, and sometimes people are so aloof and their head in the clouds that they don't even I'm thinking of specific examples but um they don't even think twice about it and that you are making a product like you are literally making it from start to finish that is not a I mean for Jen's sake candles have to harden you can't just like pour (laughs) wax in and be like here's a candle like it takes time Right. So yeah, no, correct. I can't make you 200 candles in two days. No. I need to carry you around with me just everywhere I go. <laughs> no, because I know um, you might lose some business. <laughs> so Ellie, you've listened to small Ellie and her girlfriend Brooke are some of our biggest small business shout out Brooke Brooke. um we love getting texts from them of like driving to work listening to small business sisters and they run a small business (laughs) no but and 90% of the time I have no idea what you guys are talking about but like your systems and stuff and like the havoc that was created by COVID and the POS system not working or doing your inventory right that I love listening because I'm like, gosh, there's so much that goes into it that like people don't even like realize. Yeah. So what were you, what have you been most surprised about that we have to do? Deal with people. (laughs) (laughs) The customer service factor you guys have to do. I know 1 million percent. I would be terrible (laughs) at But I just, again, I would just automatically be like, you know what? I'm not dealing with you and I would have no customers. So I admire you guys that you're able to like do what you do and interact with people. And because really I'm only interacting with people in my business for the most part. And so I don't have to like, I'm not dealing with people who are like liking my product basically. Yeah. Or like so reviewing I, I just, like, you. Yeah. I mean, I guess I get reviews by like my bosses, but no, no one's going to like write a Google review. I mean, like <laughs> this girl sucks. I, I, always, I feel like Etsy or any like product service industry should be like Uber where both the maker and the customer can review because 
I feel like so many times the people that review you lower were the hardest customers to deal with where I feel like I should be allowed to be like, well, I rate this person a one star because (laughs) they spent 20 hours of my time trying to get one pocket tee and then didn't like the way it fit around their neck. Like that kind of, I did. I had a customer reach out to me and be like, my shirt is too small around my neck. And I'm like, what am I supposed to do about it? I didn't actually sew the shirt. I saw the pocket. Like, that's what I mean. Like, the patience you guys have to have, I'm like so envious of and I admire. (laughs) I don't know know that I have it. I feel like I I would just like be giving faces all the time. Like, are you kidding me right now? (laughs) Sometimes I like so hard. (laughs) Yeah. Is your life so hard that a candle wick is going to? Or so easy is putting you over the edge. A candle Oh, you're yeah. the best, Ellie. Yeah. I, well, Ellie, I am so proud of you because I know a lot of your story, but a lot of those details I didn't know. But I do know that you started from the bottom and have worked your way over the last 10 years, like to the top. And I think it's really cool. And I love, I know that Jenny we'll probably say the same thing, but I love that we have all boys and they're watching. Well, all of us are so different, but our boys really love Ellie and like, she's really special to them and they're watching her like be a boss. And so while Jenny and I are bosses in different ways that our kids are seeing, they're seeing like in the corporate field, this woman in a man centric field, because Mm -hmm. I don't know that we even said that, but your industry is very Male dominated for sure. Male dominated. dominated. Yes. Mm -hmm. And so for them to, to see that and, um, see a woman do that since Jenny and I aren't in the corporate field, they're not going to see that. But I, so Mm -hmm. I love that you're making changes for all the little girls. I do too. And I love that at each, when you were like, instead of giving up at each time you tried a new position and we're like, this isn't for me, you were like, all right, but let me find what is for me. And I really love that about you, that you pivoted uh, and just thanks. like kept going. Oh no, she froze again. Oh no. Their internet. Hopefully she gets back. <laughs> you froze back? again. Yeah, you're, you're back. back. Uh, well, I was just saying how proud I am of you guys. And I am so impressed. And I think you and small business owners and makers in general, like are incredible. And so I applaud you guys. Does it make you guys want to buy from small business? Make me want to buy from small business? Yeah. Oh yeah. All the time. I have (laughs) Jenny's voice in my head when I'm going to like H&M or something. Cause I think I once said, I just got this dress from H&M and she was like, Oh, (laughs) in my head that I'm like, Okay, I have to check boutiques first because <laughs> yeah. oh, this is just that this is not small business. Oh no, I gosh. need that though. I mean, I buy from Amazon and stuff. There's just some things I that do I, I do know that a lot of work goes into small business and we'll try to support, but yeah, and I appreciate now when I do buy from like Etsy or something, um, which to anyone listening, I really am looking for somebody to make wood plugs for ears it's like a great business like nobody does it and um anyway like I when I get those I just think like so much effort went into these two little round I I love it whereas if I went to like 
a store is that like hot topic or something i'd be like mm. manufactured <laughs> a machine a, a machine did this <laughs> oh, i love it well we're glad you yeah. you came on and we hope you inspire other people to just chase after big things in their life and keep going even in areas where you feel discriminated against sometimes yeah well thank you guys thanks for having me love you ellie Join in the conversation by following us on Instagram at at underscore small business sisters. Make sure to introduce yourself because we love to follow and support other small businesses. And if you love the podcast, we would absolutely be so grateful if you subscribe and leave us a review. Every positive review helps other small business owners to find us. Remember, don't do life alone. We're better together.